anger. And as I thought about it, as I prayed about it, uh, I was just struck that anger is kind of the all-embracing, kind of the easier topic to deal with. As I thought about my life and I thought about uh, people who I know and love, I thought a more sort of narrow, more pointed kind of topic is the topic of, of bitterness. Because if you're like me, life just doesn't turn out the way that we sometimes expected or, or hoped that it would. Let me give you some scenarios. Uh, you walk into church on Sunday night and somebody walks up to you with a, a big smile and say, hey, I've got a promotion at work. And outwardly you're smiling and you offer the congratulations, but something inside of you is just thinking, life's not fair, you know. I've never got a promotion. You hear of another couple who uh, are pregnant with their fourth child. And again, you smile outwardly as you congratulate them, but deep down, some of us will be thinking, if only you knew the pain and the heartache that I have because I don't have any children. Maybe, maybe it's someone who's hurt you deeply and someone that you loved who ripped your heart out. And it's years ago now, but when their name is mentioned or when you bump into them, there's just something that festers in your heart and you just can't forgive them. Maybe it's family. Maybe you were raised in a, a really difficult family. Maybe it was abuse or neglect, just absent parents, and you walk into a church family and you watch all these people with so-called functional families and you look at them and you think, why was my family so dysfunctional? And you're so gripped by this sort of bitter feelings inside. Maybe it's relationships. Again, another engagement is announced at church and you don't even pretend to smile this time. Because <laughs> deep down you're thinking, why not me? I didn't expect to be single aged 28 or 29 or 30. Maybe it's church itself. You know, maybe you walk into church and uh, you, you spot you know, Angus and Deb, leader connect group. And you're sitting there thinking, well, why them and not me? Why are they asked to lead and not me? Maybe you walk into church and you see someone that's offended you and you're agitated by them and they've never apologised and suddenly something inside you just snaps and this bitterness takes over. Two things that I think I've really struggled with in the last 12 months in terms of bitterness are lay it on the table. Unusual things. Property. I've been trying to buy a unit for two years. It's pretty hard to buy a unit in this area. And you go Saturday by Saturday, looking and looking and looking, and then suddenly you just watch people just buy a property because mummy and daddy can give them a big deposit. And it's very tempting, you know, just to get bitter at that. And the other thing I've really struggled with is church. I would love two days off in a row. <laughs> love a weekend. 
and people talk about their long weekends and what they did in the long weekend and it's very tempting, you know, just to get bitter at that. Why can't I have a long weekend? I think bitterness is real, isn't it? I struggle with it. And I'm sure you're sitting there and if you're honest, there's things in your life, a relationship, a family, a situation, something that you expected in life that you haven't got and bitterness is just festering away. See, I know that I live in a fallen world and we know that we live with the consequences of sin and we know that we live with disappointments and unrealised expectations and sometimes pain and sometimes suffering and sometimes loneliness but deep down inside of us if we let those things fester and ferment it's not just disappointment, it's not just sadness, it's called bitterness. And it's kind of caustic and it's gangrenous. And I don't think we talk about it in church. When was the last time that you heard people ask for prayer? Oh, can you help me please? Pray for me because I'm struggling with greed, I'm struggling with materialism, I'm struggling with perhaps lust. Uh, help me please, I'm struggling with, with bitterness. We just don't, do we? I think bitterness is a bit like a liquid in a corked bottle that sort of ferments away and uh, it looks from the outside as though it's, it's perfectly normal. But when you uncork it and when you taste it, it's kind of a... Ugh. And that's bitterness. And let me say up front, friends, it, it robs you of your peace with God and bitterness robs you of your peace with other people and it robs you of your joy in Christ and it damages you emotionally spiritually and physically and it damages your loved ones and it damages the church and I pray that tonight's talk might liberate some of us here like I've been liberated preparing let me pray Father we we come to you with uh, different backgrounds as different people but I'm sure all of us here struggle with this issue so I pray that you would Allow your spirit and allow your word to speak truthfully and speak powerfully to each of us tonight. And I ask that for Jesus' sake. Amen. Two things tonight, the signs of bitterness and the solutions to bitterness. Firstly, the signs. Great verse, Hebrews chapter 12, just, written, just um, read out for us. Tonight's a topical sermon, so lots of Bible passages. Hebrews 12, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no root of bitterness grows up to cause trouble and defile many. It's helpful because it reminds us there that the bitterness is like a root. It's a below the surface thing. It's not obviously on display. It's kind of hidden. And that's why we overlook it. It's like the roots of a tree. You don't see them. But they're there and they're gathering up whatever feeds them and they're spreading everywhere. I don't know whether you ever tried to, to dig up a tree and you start to dig and it seems like it's going to be easy but when you actually get to the roots uh, you realise that the roots are pretty thick and you realise how far they've spread it's the same with bitterness if you're willing to go there if you're willing to, to dig up the roots if you're prepared to do the hard work you will be shocked and surprised at how many things in life we can really be bitter about uh, there's a true story of, of a person who, who bought a house and when they moved to the house, the, the carpet in the living room just had this odd smell about it. 
And so they, they shampooed the carpet and the smell had gone for two days. And then the smell returned. And so they brought in the professional cleaners and they had the carpet bleached and steam clean. What do you do with carpets? And it was smelling fresh for about a week. And then the smell returned again. And so they ripped up the carpet and what they found was that the floorboards underneath were absolutely rotten and stinking. And that's the same, I think, with bitterness. It's not a surface kind of solution. It's not shampooing the carpet. It's not even steam cleaning the carpet. It's actually getting the rotten floorboards and digging them out. And it means that you and I look at uh, relationships that have harmed us or unresolved conflict to deal with or, or disappointment with God and do the hard work. What are the signs of bitterness? Uh, one word you remember, or two words, clouded view. I think the signs of bitterness is that we have clouded views. It's like we've been fitted with the wrong prescription glasses. And so that we see life through the wrong lens. Nothing looks quite right to you. You never see things as they really are. You just see the, the world in a way that feeds your own bitterness. So you have a clouded view of God. Look at this verse. Jeremiah 4 verse 18. Your own conduct and actions have brought this upon you. This is your punishment. How bitter it is. How it pierces your heart. Your own conduct and actions, things that you do, they cloud your view of God and so you start to doubt whether God is good and whether God is right and you're filled with bitterness. Let me give you some examples. God never promised us riches. But if that's what we expected from life and you make money your God, then when you're not rich, you say, well, God's not good. And then you get bitter because you're not rich. God never promised us marriage. But that's what we really, really want. And so when we haven't got it, we're full of bitterness and we say, oh, God's not good. And then we worship things like image and beauty and success and status. And when, when life doesn't meet those expectations, well, God never promises those things. And yet we think that we've been dealt a dud hand. And so we bitterly say, you know, uh, why is that person thinner than me? And why is that person a better pianist than me? And why aren't I successful? Then we start to question God and question his sovereignty and question his goodness and question his provision and question his love. And we start to say, God doesn't really care for me because I haven't got what I wanted. It's that clouded wrong view of God. It reminds me of the, of the, uh, the people of God, the Israelites in Exodus. Do you remember how God had rescued them? He brought them out of Egypt and he'd shown his goodness, he'd shown his provision by giving them manna and quail. And then what did they do? Uh, they grumbled. Because they haven't got exactly what they wanted, when they wanted. And they're at a place called Marah, M-A-R-A-H, Marah. And it literally means bitterness. And they drink the water, and it tastes bitter. Because that's what they are, they're bitter, because they haven't got what they wanted, when they wanted it, and they're questioning, and they're grumbling, and they're doubting God. And I think that's what bitterness does to people. We forget that God is totally good and totally faithful. He's given us everything that we need. And yet when we don't get what we want, we think he's not good. A clouded view of God, a clouded view of ourselves. Look at this uh, verse from James, chapter 3. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it. If, if they're deep down there, you are envying people and you're ambitious for yourself. Don't boast. Uh, that's the thing about bitterness. 
I was trying to think how to phrase this. Bitterness has good study habits. Has good study habits. So think about the relationship that you are most bitter about. And I bet you can remember all the details. And you'll replay every conversation time and time and time again. And you'll even make up conversations that were never had to feed that bitterness. And you'll start spewing blatant untruths. And you're not, you're not aware you're doing it. Because bitterness has consumed you. It's easy to point out everything that other people do wrong if you're bitter. And you fail to see the things that you do wrong. And you have a cloudy view of yourself. Because I think if you're struggling with bitterness, you play one of two roles. You're either the victim or you're the victor. You're the victim because you play the sort of the woe is me mentality. You know, my life is so awful compared to other people. And I want you to feel sorry for me. Or you'll play the, the victory role, which is like, I can win this and I can solve this. I'm going to make them pay. Uh, they've hurt me and I'm bitter about it. So I'm going to insult them and I'm going to gossip about them. And I'm going to slander about them and I'm going to win this. And the thing about those two roles, victim or victor, is that the only person who really gets hurt is, is you. That's the thing about bitterness. The person who really gets hurt is yourself. Cloud of you of God, cloud of you of yourself, because you're not perfect and you're not innocent and you're not always right. And you've got a cloud of you of other people. Cloud of you of others. Do you remember Simon the Sorcerer in the book of Acts? He was a guy who saw the apostles lay hands on people and they received the Spirit and he really wanted that gift. And so he offered them money to get the gift and Peter answered with these words, Acts chapter 8. May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. Your heart's not right with God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. I see you're full of bitterness. He's full of bitterness because he sees someone else have something that he wants and he wants it so badly he envies them, he resents the fact that he hasn't got it and he's willing to pay for it. And bitterness does that. It makes you look at other people and it fills you with envy, it fills you with greed, you hold on to your grudges, you moan and you grumble and you always see the negatives. And let me say, my friends, it will destroy you. It will destroy you spiritually you cannot walk with the spirit and walk in bitterness because it robs you of peace and it steals your joy and it will destroy you emotionally because it will sap all your energy and it will twist you and make you cynical and make you hard and I say again the only person who gets hurt is is you Nelson Mandela said this bitterness only hurts one person that's yourself If you hate someone, you'll give them both your heart and your mind. Please don't give those two things away. It's really what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 3. He said, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. And here's a good test for you. Ask yourself the really hard questions about a relationship that's hurt you, or an incident that's offended you, or something you're holding on to. Jolt that jar of life. And see what comes out of your mouth. Is it words of acid or words of honey?
when you talk about the person that you resent the most, what words do you use? Are they acidic words and bitter words or are they pleasant words and gracious words? The signs of bitterness. I'm going to let you do the hard work this week. Don't just shampoo the carpet, rip up the floorboards. What's the solution? The solution to bitterness. It's, it's really quite simple. It sounds simple. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Simple. Get rid of all bitterness. How easy is that? Just, just throw it away, get rid of it, put it off, doesn't matter anymore. In a way, I wish I could just sit down now. How are we to get rid of the bitterness? Let me say that is a solution. It's a simple solution. Jesus said, just get rid of it. But to get rid of it, it's going to be painful. It's going to be heartbreaking. It's going to bring you to utter desperation. It reminds me of the scene in, in Forrest Gump. Seen the movie Forrest Gump? And he's walking down the road with his girlfriend Jenny. And Jenny sees the old dilapidated house where they used to live. And she bursts into tears. Because that's the place where she was abused. And she picks up a rock. And she starts to hurl rocks at this house. And one rock after another rock after another rock. And she just breaks down and she cries. And Forrest Gump says these words. He says, he says um, sometimes there's just not enough rocks to throw. Sometimes there's just not enough rocks to throw. And that's right. God knows that, that you can't deal with your bitterness by yourself. There's not enough rocks to throw. He knows that you can never satisfy your bitter spirit. It eats you, it will consume you. So what you've got to do to help you to get rid of your bitterness? Let me give you three things. You've got to be amazed. Be amazed at God's forgiveness. Be completely blown away by the forgiveness that was won for you at Calvary. Because let me read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 again. It says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and and anger. Then he says, Be kind and compassionate to each other, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. The way to get rid of your bitterness is to put on kindness and compassion and forgiveness. To forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. It's what John says, 1 John, when you confess your sin, when you come to the cross and recognise that you have been forgiven, therefore we are to forgive other people. It's what David described in Psalm 32. Do you want to just turn back to Psalm 32? It's on page 395. I think David is describing a man who learned what it was to get rid of bitterness and guilt. He says in verse 3, When I kept silent, this is page 395, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. He says the guilt was crippling. I felt depressed and it had a spiritual effect. I felt far from you and yet... Verse 5, I confessed my sins. I said, I acknowledge my sin to you. And we get into our knees and we say, yes Lord, 
I deserve nothing but condemnation from you and I deserve your wrath, God, and I've been horrible to you, God. And then when you grasp the amazing words in verse 5, look at the words in verse 5. You forgave the guilt of my sin. You, the holy God, forgave my sin. And that's why he can say back in verse 1, Blessed is the man, happy is the man whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. See, you see, we have been forgiven. We have been utterly forgiven for, for the harsh words that we've said and our past sexual sin and our cheating and our fraud and the lying and the, the hurt that we've caused others and the, the resentment that people rightly have against us. We've been forgiven of that by Christ. It's covered by the blood of Christ. And God says, my son, my daughter, you may keep bringing that, that deed to mind, but I don't because Christ paid for it. There's no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus. And when you've grasped that, when you've been ravaged by and overwhelmed by and staggered by God's forgiveness for you, and when God's forgiveness in Christ completely silences you, then it's very hard to say the words, yes, I know I'm forgiven, but I'm not willing to forgive you. It's very hard to say that, isn't it? What does Ephesians 4 say? Forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And I know that's hard. It's the same as, as Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, end of the Lord's Prayer, if you forgive men what, when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. They're stark words. Someone said this, when we think of ourselves as so important and the damage and bitterness so great, that we don't need to forgive. We make ourselves greater than God, who freely forgives all people. We've got to learn to forgive others. Even if, you know, we don't actually hear the words and I'm sorry, our hearts must be willing to forgive them. Let go of it. Why would I allow my bitterness at someone else's wrongdoing to destroy my relationship with God and the forgiveness that he won for me. I think part of the issue of forgiving other people is linked to my second point. It's linked to justice. And we've got to be confident in God's justice. That's why forgiveness is so hard. Because if someone has truly damaged you and truly wronged you, then everything in our moral universe says, well, there must be justice and there must be some consequences. And I think that's why we're bitter. Because we don't see justice in the here and now. We want justice, but we don't see justice, and so we see And then the rest of the world moves on, but we don't, because we want to see justice. If that's you, if that's why bitterness has, has, has taken root in your life, listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. And we say, well, how is justice going to be done then? Keep reading. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And we say, oh, that's a nice idea, but you know, I don't, you don't, know, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know the wrong that was done to me. And you don't know how painful it was to be widowed or divorced age 30. And you don't know the bitterness that I've got because that person is enjoying life and, and my life is miserable and my life is not fair. 
Read on. Verse 19. Don't take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it's mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. Vengeance is mine, says God. We want justice, and we want justice now, and God says, no, 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 I will pay them back. I will give them justice in my time. Let me show you how this works. You sit there and you go, but, but she lied to me, and she cheated on me, and she wronged me, and I didn't deserve that. And you hear the voice of God say, yes I know, I saw it, I saw it, she was wrong and I hate what she did to you, but justice will prevail, do you trust me? Uh, but, but he walked out on me and I expected to have kids and, and I kept my vows and, and God says, yes I know, I saw it and my heart wept, he was wrong, you were right. Trust me, justice will prevail in my good timing. But you know, I work so hard and I put in such long hours and no one appreciates me and and God said, I do. I see, I care and justice will prevail. But that person at church, that they, they, they call themselves a Christian and they ruined my reputation and I'm so bitter and God said, I know. I saw it, I saw it all. And I'm just. And I will pay back in my good timing. Do you see how that transforms your bitterness? Because there's not one wrong in this universe that's been done to you or anybody else that will not be justly repaid in God's good timing. And you are free. You don't have to do it. Give it up to God. Put it into the hands of the one who is vastly better at dishing out justice than you ever will be. Because God hates evil far more righteously than we ever could. Learn to say, please learn to say, I don't need to be seen to be right in human eyes because there's a God in heaven who is totally just and I trust him I like to think of bitterness as a kind of like a a pile of manure and you've got a choice you can spread it around or you can just shovel it into a heap and stick it in the corner and stick on the label vengeance is mine says the Lord and just leave it there. Isn't that what Jesus did? Remember the cross? Everyone lied and mocked and wrongly accused. And what did Jesus say? 1 Peter 2. When they, when they hurled insults at him, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Listen to this word, these words. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. The Lord Jesus handed everything over to the one who judges justly. The greatest injustice was about to happen. The greatest moment in history is about to happen. And Jesus says, God, I hand this over to you because you are just. But he doesn't just stop there, does he? What does he then pray? Once he's handed things over to God, he then prays, Father, Father, forgive them. And my prayer is that they might receive forgiveness from you. Okay, stop right now. Dig deep. Who are you bitter with? What are you bitter about? 
I want you to take that thing that's causing you to seethe and just resent and just do it. Say, I trust you, God. You will judge justly. It might not be in my timing, but I trust that you will. And then take the next harder step of saying, Father, Father, forgive them. Jesus, I will honour you. Be amazed at forgiveness. Be confident. Be confident of God's justice. And lastly, trust in God's goodness. You've got to trust that whatever God has brought into your life, whatever God has taken you through, abuse, violence, envy, greed, disappointment, slander, joblessness, lack of success, singleness, divorce, financial worries, whatever it is, in all those things, what is God doing? He's not taking you through those things to make you bitter. He's taking you through those things to make you more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 28, we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Why? To make them more like Christ. When things happen to you, you've got a choice to make. You can choose to go down the bitter path. Or you can choose to go down the, the better path. Bitter, festering, caustic, resenting. It will just eat you up and rob you of everything. Or go down the better path and say, God, how are, you t- how are you using this to make me more like Christ? I'm not pretending it's easy. I'm not pretending it's easy at all. I've shed tears. I'm sure I will again. It's really painful to dig deep and rip up those rotten floorboards. The most liberating thing you can do be amazed at God's forgiveness. Marvel at the cross again. It's hard not to forgive others if you've really been blown away by your forgiveness in Christ. Trust in God's justice and in trusting God's goodness. Let me pray. Father, we acknowledge that this is such a hard topic and there are so many things that have happened to us and will happen to us which hurt us so deeply and disappoint us and frustrate us Lord I do pray that you would rip out any bitter root that would cause us to stumble and that you would cast our eyes afresh on our Lord Jesus Christ on his forgiveness and on your justice and we ask that for Jesus sake Amen